Bonsoir. How are you, dear friends? We are building the most inspiring and phenomenal communities of wine lovers. As we all know, wine is the catalyst of the greatest discussion. We'll be talking wine, but of course food, and everything that touches all our nation and senses. Bonjour, bonsoir, dear friends, and welcome on JCB Live Happy Hour. As you can see tonight, it's a very unique, special, elegant, refined, and one of the most compelling happy hours of all. We're going to be with an Emmy Award winner, a Golden Globe winner, the recipient of the famous British Empire. In 2000, she received it by the famous Queen Elizabeth the second, can you believe it? She's done more movies than you can imagine. She was the first ever phenomenal James Bond lady. And she's the founder of the Open Heart Foundation as well. Not only she does things magnificently on screen, obviously on stage as well as Broadway. And she is as well a very accomplished painter. She's a writer and she basically does it all. She's a mother and, I shouldn't say that because she looks younger than my sister, she is as well a grandmother. So dear friends, I'm very honored today to welcome a great friend, an amazing inspiration, a very charismatic lady, the wonderful, the famous Jane Seymour. Woo! Hello. Bonjour, Jane. Okay, I'm here. And you are more beautiful than ever, as always. Oh, thank you. Are we popping well, champagne? Well, Jane, let's have a, absolutely. We want to see you open it. Yeah. Oh, I nearly killed Sherry. <laughs> Did she catch it in her mouth? Because I no, know she's very no, talented. She, she, she failed to catch it, but... I'm really glad that it didn't go through the window, and I'm glad we have very tall ceilings. But anyway, salut. Well, you know, with you, Jane, as, as everybody knows, you're a multilinguist. So maybe, if you don't mind, on this time, we'll leave England to do à ta santé, ma chérie. Ah, à ta santé, à ton santé. Je sais pas comment dire, mais... Uh, Cheers, cheers. Yes. So, Jane, this is so exciting to taste wine again with you. It was a year ago. You were in Napa Valley. We were having an amazing time together. And I understand you just came back from some major trips around the world and you've been doing several more movies. Would you want to share that to us? Yes, I just did a wonderful movie in uh, Brisbane, Australia. And uh, because of the COVID, I had to be in isolation for two weeks. So um, I enjoyed my wine and uh, some painting in isolation. But uh, I did get to make this beautiful movie called Ruby's Choice about a family whose uh, grandmother that I played, Ruby, uh, has dementia and they don't really understand what to do with her or how to handle it. And um, 
she inadvertently ends up helping the entire family um, in all their issues and everything. And she, it's, it's a very beautiful movie, an Australian movie. Wow, that's wonderful. So you were down at Ender for several months? Yes, I was gone for, uh, I was there for five weeks totally in Australia. And uh, while I was there, they started closing all the borders within Australia. So I think we were almost the only movie that was being made. In fact, my agent here in America told me that from their agency, I was the only person in any category working anywhere in the world. So, salut. <laughs> well, if someone can do it, Jane Seymour can. So Jane, you know, you're a very Francophile, of course. Tell all of us why you speak so good French, because born in the UK, educated with a great French language, but you've done a lot of great things in France. Uh, thank you. Oui, je parle français, pas magnifique, mais je comprends très bien. Et j'ai entendu que mon accent, c'est pas trop mal. Anyway, I'll get back to English. So I, um, I learned French at school in England the way we do, but my mother was from Holland, so she was multilingual. My father spoke French and they would exchange us with French families. And, um, and we would go to stay in France, or in my case, I would stay in Geneva and uh, be around a lot of young people and just speak French all the time. And then I was asked to do a movie called The French Revolution, and if you can see here, in which I was asked to play Marie Antoinette, and those are my real children playing um, the, the uh, Dauphin and Dauphine. And uh, I, my agent forgot to tell me that I was going to do it in French and English. So I had six months living in Paris with a, a French assistant who made sure that I only spoke French for six months. I'm so impressed. And this is amazing that you've done it with your own children as well as the Dauphin and Dauphine. This is so cool. Well, you know how sometimes, you know, you send a Christmas card or a holiday card and it has a picture of your children. Well, I did that. And, uh, and the, um, the people who were, you know, doing, making sure everything was accurate and, and, you know, documenting everything, the expert looked at the photograph of my children and said, oh my gosh, they're perfect for Dauphin and Dauphine. Anyway, this is me with, uh, I think it's Jean-François Balmer. Oh, very great actor as yes. well. You are anyway, looking at I, I had a wonderful time. I, I found myself speaking French all day, every day. And then just when they were doing the scene where I had my head chopped off and the guillotine, uh, I was in Bordeaux and a friend of mine um, took me to some major wineries there. Um, I was invited by Kem. I was invited, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the other one. Anyway, I, I, it was, oh, Petrus. And I actually was there with the family, drinking the wines and then having my head chopped off. <laughs> how does it feel? I mean, Jane, how does it feel to play Marie Antoinette? I mean, this is the way, Jane, as, as I've mentioned to you before, I've discovered you the first time. I thought you were extraordinary in this movie and embodying the personality so well as a queen. So how does it feel to play the queen of France? It was really fantastic. And um, the French government um, opened up Versailles and all kinds of other amazing places that no one's ever filmed in because they were part of this. They wanted it to be done right for the Bicentaine. It was a six hour movie. 
six hours. Yeah. Um, if you've never seen it, I can highly recommend it. And uh, uh, I had to do it in two languages, but we had Peter Houston off in it. We had Claudia Cardinale. We had, uh, oh, I can't even remember, people from all over the world. But the most funny part for me was um, in Versailles, I think, where all the fountains are at like three in yes. the morning doing a night scene um, with Peter Ustinov, who could remember the lines in five languages, but not French or English that night. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, I, I, it was very, very amusing, but uh, yeah. Well, it must have brought a lot of uh, reward and, and what, a, what a role to play. Now, I'm raising my glass again to you because talking about Queens, in early 2000, you received the highest order ever given in the United Kingdom by the Queen herself. How did that feel? And tell us a little bit about that. I would say that was one of the most amazing moments of my life because having moved to America, I thought that the British would, would not necessarily remember me or think of me as being British, although I clearly am. Um, it was an amazing, amazing honor. I got the phone call here uh, from the council, uh, council general of, um, of England here in the United States in California. He asked to meet with me privately and he privately told me I was going to be honored by the queen and that I was forbidden to tell anybody. And my mother was, you know, in the other room and I just thought, wait a minute, she's almost, you know, she's in her eighties. I mean, can't she know? No, no, she can't know. And eventually he allowed her to be told. Um, but they said, if anyone finds out before it's, it's told in the press, you lose the, you lose the honor. So I was terrified that my mother or anyone would tell anybody. Um, I was actually uh, given the uh, OBE at Buckingham Palace um, with my family there and my mother. We were allowed to take three people and I have two sisters, so we had to flip a coin. And then um, and one of my sisters, Annie, um, with all our friends from California and England who'd come, were all outside the gates of Buckingham Palace. And because she looks just like me, the guards let them all in. So they all came into the forecourt. So they weren't at the actual ceremony, but they were, might as well have been. So um, it was a very memorable, amazing day. Well, what an honor and, and obviously well-deserved. So, Jane, if we talk about wine for a second, because you are, and I want everybody to know, an extremely accomplished wine collector. You're a phenomenal wine taster. I've had the opportunity at many occasions now to have splendid dinner with you and to listen to you describe it. So I would yes. like you on the bubbles, which is a Napa Valley blown away. We make it with a common friend of ours named John Legend. And that was the LVE. Why don't you describe it with your own sensual, poetic, and okay. literature language? Okay. Apart from the obvious word delicious, <laughs> uh, mm. it's not too dry. Um, I can taste the grape. It's um, very smooth. It's, um, it, of course, it's not from Champagne, it's from Napa Valley, but uh, I think it could give Champagne a run for its money. Ooh, I like that. 
Well, thank you so much. Very well oh, said. It's absolutely delicious. Well, to many more together in Napa Valley or in France, of course. So, Jane, obviously, when we talk about your movie career, this is so enormous. So, I would like for you, and I brought a very special glass, and ah. a vodka that we produced, the JCV that you've had with caviar. Do you remember with our friend Roland Passo, we, yes. we heard that wonderful... So I put my best Agent 69, which is me in the wine world, or James Bond outfit to welcome today on JCB Live the first ever James Bond lady. So I know it's right at the beginning of your career. You've done hundreds more things since then. But tell us a little bit about this, because this is such an iconic movie, and you really started a trend. So tell us about how it feels and how was everything around that? Well, this is what I looked like the day that I got the role. Wow. So I always yes, I had always been told that with my hair away from my face, I looked different from when I had you know long straight hair, and um, so I bought this coat and hat. And when I came in, the producer said, "Take off your coat." which I did, and then take off your hat. I took my hat off and my hair came tumbling down and I pretty much sat on it, it was so long. And he literally offered me the role on the spot. That's amazing. Which is amazing. This is of course what I looked like in the Bond film <laughs> after they decided that I was so perfect that they had to change everything about me. So they dyed my hair darker. Uh, they noticed I had two different colored eyes. So they insisted that perhaps I should have either contact lenses to match the green one or the brown one. And in the end, I just said, and should I have a wooden leg? I mean, what else are we gonna change about me? Everything. Um, and uh, so we didn't, we didn't change my eyes. My eye color stayed the same. Although I'm noticing in this picture, they've retouched it. But yes, I have two different colored eyes and uh, it was an amazing experience. I was 20 years old when they, they cast me. I was starring in a television show called The Aneedon Line, and both uh, producers, uh, Cubby Broccoli and Harry Saltzman, had seen me on television and called my agent and said they wanted to meet me. And he said, she's not available. But reluctantly, the second time I came and I came to meet them and they offered me the role on the, on the spot. Uh, they had an argument amongst themselves as to who had spotted me first. And like a schoolgirl, I said, you both saw me on TV at the same time. Oh, gosh, so embarrassing. And... Um, and then um, I got into my little Volkswagen Beetle um, and backed it into Harry Saltzman's Rolls-Royce and went to my agent's office to try and figure out how we could do it. But uh, the rest is history. I made this amazing movie. Roger Moore was so lovely. And uh, I was only 20. And uh, would you say it really obviously started your, your career in the movie side of the business? Because you were on television already doing TV. Right. It, it was a very big thing, but at the other side of it is not many Bond girls had a career afterwards. Mm. And so there was a stigma attached as well. And um, I would get to audition for a great dramatic role in something where they thought I was just, you know, a regular, ordinary, you know, middle-class woman from somewhere in the middle of of, of England, 
And then someone would say, oh, you know, she's a Bond girl. And that was it. I never heard from that producer or director again. So oh. that happened enough times that I had to move to America where it was okay to have been a Bond girl. Really? And, uh, but in England, they told me I looked too exotic. <laughs> in America, they didn't care. So long as I could change my accent. So really most of my early career, I've had to fake it you know, be something else, be either a Persian princess in Sinbad or, um, you know, uh, I was supposed to be Haitian in this, but clearly I was not being Haitian. Um, and, uh, and then I came to America and I had to be American. So there you go. Well, as you came to America, Jane, give us maybe the top three or four most incredible motion pictures that you were part of and that you've enjoyed the most that we should all go back and watch. And the, the, the things you're the most proud of in, in that side of your life? Because well, there's so many facets. There are too many. So um, in terms of motion pictures, I would say Somewhere in Time, the movie I did with Christopher Reeve. It's considered one of the, the best romantic movies ever made. Yes. And it still has new audiences. People watch it 20, 30, 40 times. They get married to that music. They, um, I mean, people, actually visit the place where we filmed. Um, I think for, this is the 40th anniversary this year and they get dressed up in the clothes, the costumes, and they behave and like, like Christopher Reeve and I did, we made that movie. So that's a very special movie. I would say another very special movie movie, obviously would be Wedding Crashes. Yes. I would say that's one of the funniest movies ever. Um, and I'm just trying to think movie movie wise, uh, what would Medicine be, uh, Woman. Which one? Medicine Woman was... Medicine Woman. Well, that I would consider television. So, yeah. television, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, included, yeah. I would definitely say Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. That was um, 140 hours of primetime television. It, and it still plays in 98 countries. And I know it plays every day in France. And really? apparently my French is perfect. Of course, they have a French. <laughs> but... Um, that was a really, really great one. I think I did one called East of Eden, I think it's very special uh, miniseries. I won Best Actress for this. And I played uh, Maria Callas in a movie about Onassis for which I won Best Actress as well for the wow. Emmy. And, and how is it, maybe you want to explain to, to all of us, the motion picture versus television. What do you like most or both? And how different it is for you to, to perform in each? Well, back in the day, um, people would not normally do motion pictures and television and theater, but I broke that mold early on. That's in right. one week I had East of Eden came out, I opened on Broadway and Amadeus and straight plays never worked. That became the biggest hit, won the Tony. And then I had Summer in Time come out. So I broke that mold a long time ago. So I have done a, a lot of really wonderful uh, television, what they call mini series. And uh, for a while I was referred to as the queen of the miniseries because I did more miniseries than pretty much anyone. I played a lot of real people. So like Maria Callas, Wallace Simpson in The Woman He Loved, um, Hazel Brandon Smith, who was the first woman to win the Pulitzer Prize for fighting racism in the South. Fanny Kemble, an English actress who um, married an, an American, great famous, famous English actress who went back and married a, an American slave owner. That was called A Passion for Justice. Um, and on and on. But, and of course, Marie Antoinette. But uh, 
I, I had the privilege of doing it. The only difference would be that in television, they had less time and sometimes less money. Uh, but yes. sometimes the smaller movies, like Summer in Time is a very small movie, became a huge success once it was streamed, once people could see it on television. Um, so I think nowadays it really doesn't matter. Some of the biggest stars in movies are starring in television shows and vice versa. Well, congratulations for being, as always, an innovator in all forms. That's very impressive. Now, Jane, a question that I love to ask, and I think we had that discussion at dinner together. You've played all those incredible characters of history. If you would not have been Jane Seymour, and you look at the past, who would you have liked to be? Well, um, hmm. Of the ones I've played, no. You know, Any time, you, you know, Maria Pierce's life was quite spectacular, but then incredibly sad when uh, Onassis left her. Um, Marie Antoinette, uh, she had a problem; she lost her head. Uh, yeah. Wallace Simpson was hated uh, for um, um, not allowing the king to become king by marrying him. Um, that kind of leaves. Uh, Hazel Brandon Smith, well, you know, the, the clan, the Ku Klux Klan tried to kill her on many occasions. Um, and Fanny Campbell had to give up her, what, her husband and her children because she um, could not stand uh, slavery and wanted to abolish slavery. So I wouldn't pick any of them, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, you've been them all, which is fabulous. So as I poured the Sauvignon Blanc, Oh, let's um, we, let's evolve into what you do so much with incredible skills. So the Sauvignon Blanc is all about the freshness and the garden. And behind you, besides that gorgeous red dress matching those great flowers, we have your painting. So Jane, not only you an amazing actress naturally and public speaker and and many other topics we're going to cover. You are such an accomplished painter. How did that start? And, and when do you find time to paint? Well, I always um, used to draw when I was a child. And if I look at my school notebooks, I always um, did pencil drawings and uh, decorated everything. So I knew I could draw a likeness. And I got um, the equivalent of your first year of college um, is called the a, uh, what was it called, the... Uh, A-levels? A-levels, right. I got A-levels in art. So I could have gone to college in art. Um, and I always loved art. And I used to design and make all my own clothes. And I designed my own homes. And I, I was always doing that. But I didn't start painting properly until I lost everything when I was 40. When I was 40, my husband at the time was my business manager as well. He was a very famous um, business manager. And we had two children together and one that he already had from before. And I thought I was very happy and I found out that things in the marriage were very bad. And then I found that he'd lost all my money and left me homeless with um, nothing but huge lawsuits from every major bank in America, including really? And my mother had always told me when life is tough and you think something's insurmountable, um, you have to accept it, which is the hardest thing open your heart and reach out to help someone else. So I took that pretty literally. And I thought uh, people who'd been abused, children who'd been abused was far worse than what had happened to me. So I was at a, a book signing event and an artist 
called Tom Mielko had offered to his services to do a drawing or a painting for somebody for an auction item. And I knew I was going to lose, I, I had lost all my money, but I gave the last money in my purse for this organization in return for him to come and do this drawing. When he came to my house, um, saw my children in their playroom, saw all these finger paintings I'd done and said, you're a painter, those are yours, right? I said, yes. He said, they're great. And I went, yeah, finger painting, you know, on finger paint paper. He said, no, no. He said, uh, I'm going to teach you how to paint watercolor. Oh. And I well, that's great, but you know, I'm about to be homeless. He said, perfect, you can do watercolor wherever you are. So he taught me to paint when I was 40. I took that, it became my healing. I painted for me, I could not stop painting. It was just such a healing for me. And, um, and then the next thing I knew, I was invited to put my paintings in a book about actors that painted. The next thing I knew, I was selected by Discover Card to have one of my paintings on a credit card. The next thing I knew, three of my paintings were at the Guggenheim Museum. The next thing I know, someone buys the original painting for $25,000 and the money goes to um, Make-A-Wish Foundations for children who want their, die, their dying wish with their families. And I remember my husband then turning to me and saying, you know, um, you're going to go home and I'm going to build you a studio and you're going to paint. And I went, yes, I am. And uh, I've been painting ever since, and I've had the privilege of painting with great artists. I mean, amazing artists of every kind, oil painters, um, um, abstract painters, watercolor, pastel, and I haven't had formal training, but I've had even better than that. I have sat at, you know, at the easel of the great Richard Schmidt, who is considered, you know, the the heir apparent to, to John Singer Sargent. He paints in that style. I couldn't learn that if I went to college. And, I, and I've been surrounded by all these young artists who are phenomenal. Um, and, uh, and that's how I've learned to paint. This is amazing. And I'm so glad you went for the details of it because I had no idea of that side of the story. And, and that yes. moment in your life really brought out that artistic side. And I think it's a great advice for a lot of the people who are with us today that maybe challenge or maybe look for new direction. And, and I understand you're doing a lot of drawings as well with your children or in between two sets. Yes, I Do was. You well, us? well, I did this just the other day. It's a, oh. it's a vase I have. And uh, I just thought, oh, I'll do a little watercolor pen and ink. And then I, what I like to do at the end of the day, when I call it Wine 30, which of course is very appropriate today. Um, and of course, uh, I do this squiggle game where I'll do like a little squiggle thing and then turn it into a creature. So I do this with my kids, my older kids actually, and my younger kids. That's one I did the other day. Oh, this is kind of fun. I did a squiggle of um, the open heart and a wave and it kind of turned I think into an owl <laughs> but I love doing this and um, do this with friends this one I did I think it looked a bit like a garlic not quite yeah. sure but anyway I've been doing this since COVID not just for myself but I've been doing it with um, people in old people's homes and also people in hospice who are about to die and we on Zoom, I've been painting with them, talking with them, just like we're talking and drinking wine. I talk with them while we paint together. And it's just been so gratifying because 
much as I love to paint for myself, there is nothing more exciting than turning somebody else onto it, especially someone that believes they can't even draw a straight line. That's very true. Well, I'm so glad, and you still turn towards others. This is amazing. So I know you love Sauvignon Blanc. And oh, this is beautiful. Well, Pe I like describe it. Maybe describe it as you describe that painting behind you, because this is obviously you, your autoportrait in your garden, I hope. Behind yes, you, I imagine. Well, this was um, a portrait of me, very important portrait actually, because I was in my garden in a home I owned that was over a thousand years old called St. Catherine's Court near Bath in England. Yeah. And, um, and that was um, a herbaceous border that I resuscitated that um, it was famous herbaceous border because there are Elizabethan grass steps there and um, it was a Gertrude Jekyll garden. Gertrude Jekyll was the first female um, garden designer, gardener. You know, back in, gosh, I don't know, 1500s, I'm not sure when. Elizabeth, no earlier. Yes. But the house dates back to 950. Anyway, that was the last time I was at that house and I wanted to remember it fondly. So um, Sherry, who you've met, took a photograph of me in the flowers and uh, a whole series of photographs and I decided to paint that one and it's probably my favorite painting because it's just very, it's contemplating the amazing honor I had living in that home for 26 years and saving it because it was, uh, it was falling apart and at the same time realizing that no one can take away the memories or that experience that I had. But uh, getting back to the more important uh, thing about this wine, uh, this is really beautiful. It's crisp. Does it have a little peach? Mm -hmm. Peach, a little key lime. Ooh. Again, very, very smooth. Um, wow. It has a very smooth finish. You know, I personally like wines that have a smooth finish rather than an acid. I know right. that some of the great wines of all time, the more acidic they are, the more people love them. I, I like them better when, they're, when they have a smooth finish. Um, well, is there any lychee, uh, lychee nut in this? Because that's one of my favorite. for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so, you've hit upon my three favorite flavors. <laughs> well, and you explained it so well. And that British accent, even though you have a French accent when you speak French, I love the British accent. So sensual and sexy. Well, I can say Sauvignon Blanc, but, <laughs> in, but as we all know here in, in America, no one understands what I'm saying. <laughs> well, so Jane, another incredible chapter of your life. So everybody's discovering how much of an amazing artist you are. You are as well a lady with many hearts. And you're wearing your hearts, not only figuratively speaking, of course, in between that gorgeous, irresistible <laughs> neck of yours. And you started an amazing organization that I'd love for you to, to speak about because this is how we had the fortune to meet and to really have a great time together. And I was so admirative knowing you as this great actress to discover all your skills. And there's so many, we don't have time to cover them all today, but please tell us about how you started Open Heart and how as well you developed your own phenomenal jewelry line that has become a main way to fund Open Hearts and to bring you know, hope to many. Well, 
Thank you. So going back in time, my mother, her name was Mika Frankenberg, was a Dutch national who um, married and was living in Indonesia yes. before World War II. She was incarcerated for three and a half years and survived a camp there. And when I was growing up, um, she, after the war, married my father, had three children, and she would always talk about everyone in life having challenge. She said, it doesn't matter who you are, how yeah. famous, how wealthy, where, you know, everybody will have to deal with challenge at some time. And she wouldn't talk to us personally about hers very much. But she did say that when you have a challenge, your natural instinct is to close up your heart and not let anyone know. But if you can accept your challenge, open your heart and reach out to help others, there's always someone worse off than you. So I came up with the concept of two hearts that were open, that were attached. And um, my mother had a stroke and I thought, oh, I'll just have one necklace made just for me to touch and feel and remember her wisdom. And uh, randomly, um, I met uh, people from the biggest jewelry company in America and Canada and England. Um, they're called Signets, publicly traded company, but in America, they're called K Jewelers. And they said, what is that? And, um, you know, can we do something? And I said, only if we can give back because the whole purpose of this is to inspire people to realize that they have a unique opportunity to help others, whether it's financially or gift in kind or wisdom or time or teaching or donating, whatever it is. And um, so we started the Open Heart Foundation and we decided to award grants and to honor people at a big ceremony um, where we would raise the money um, telling their story to, and telling their story from where they were, what happened to them, and why they then turned this around to help other people. So it was to inspire people not just to um, want to support those specific charities, but also to realize that, that whole way of living. And uh, we've been doing it now for 10 years. Um, we have distributed more than a million dollars to many different charities. If you go uh -huh. to openheartsfoundation.org, you can see exactly who and where. And part of what we do is not just the money, it's showing people that how we have curated really great organizations that you may never have heard of that are exceptional. And uh, recently we've been mostly focusing on um, organizations that help women and children. And, um, and your wonderful family and your wonderful, the gallows, you know, you have, Julie is on our board. You have all been unbelievably generous. Um, you. So you know, raise more money from the event that we have in your beautiful home and mm. uh, than anything. And uh, it's just been a wonderful collaboration because, um, you know, we are, we're just able to do so many great things. And even now with COVID, you know, we, we can have this virtual experience and experiencing your beautiful wines. And at the same time, I heard that uh, if anyone buys any of these wines we're tasting, that a portion of this will go towards the Open Hearts Foundation. Is that correct? Uh, absolutely, Jane. And look, I'm, I'm picking my very big glass for you. I'm going to pour the whole bottle of wine into it. This is our glass that we designed as a decanter as well. Wow. You see, I put the whole bottle because I want all our friends with us today to be as well very, very generous. And, and not only are we going to do that just tonight, but as well the whole month. And we are delighted of what you do and, and so impressed because 
you don't have to do it and you put your heart and you let the two hearts open so love can flow in and yes. maybe you want to show to our friends your beautiful jewelry because you've designed yourself jane yeah. over 400 different pieces exactly and uh, i believe they it, it originally it was with k jewelers we've now taken it back the license because i own it so yes. it, you cannot buy it through k jewelers right now but um very soon, um, I will have a new place where you can go. But for example, this one here is called The Wave. I don't know if you can see it. This oh, is one of sure. my personal favorites. It's two open hearts, but it's like a yin yang and it, it represents the wave. Oh, and uh, I, I have a very special story attached to that. Now, of course, there are books that you can find called The Wave. They have my paintings inside. And, and you've written four about it, but, um the, the, we worked with K Jewelers for 10 years, I think it was, and uh, I think it was the most successful jewelry, they told me, of all time in our category. I think we sold over a billion dollars, which um, for wow. me and funny squiggle that I came up with, inspired by and supported by um, an amazing organization that's philanthropic, that helps people. You know, really, this is an inspiration for navigating life's challenges and so we have little books about it too. Um, but the message I think is more important now yes. than ever, because what are we doing? We're all, you know, having to isolate, having to figure out how do we educate our children? How do we, can we, do we dare travel? How do we communicate with one another? What can we do to help those that are suffering so terribly with, with lack of work, with the fires, with the hurricanes, with, um, you know, with the illness, with COVID, what can we do? And so that's what's so important about Open Hearts Foundation. We are on the ground. We are finding the places that really can use our help. And uh, with your support, it's huge. Well, and, and Jane, we're going to do this with the Raymond and the JCB. And what I'd love to do with you at some stage in the future, because as everybody knows, listening with us, we have many over 30 destinations where people can come and enjoy the wines, we should together do a collaboration for all next year where one wine carries your design and maybe a little twist of my design on it. Oh, and all the money I love that. And all the money could go towards um, open heart. So if you're up for it, let's do it. Absolutely. And how exciting would that be? That would be incredible. Well, I have to toast you with the, the Meritage. Is that what I'm drinking here? That's it. Well, and we selected this wine for you because you mentioned Bordeaux and you mentioned yeah. obviously going to France. And this is actually the pure expression of the inspiration of a Bordeaux blend where you were when you, when you did the movie Marie Antoinette and and lost my head. Yes. <laughs> Luckily, you haven't lost it because we love that head. Oh, well, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm going to, uh, mm. oh, wow. It has a beautiful nose. I don't remember what the name is for how it, um, well, I'm going to tell you. It has you. legs. It has legs. I have I legs too, but I think a little less, less worthy after drinking wine with no food, but yeah, here, here goes. You know what I was going to say? It has what you have, and we haven't seen yet today is your beautiful legs. Okay, I'm standing up. Ooh, la, la. You'll have to look at my hands. 
Anyway. I, and I, I don't want anybody to just remember that, but this is probably the most sexy grandmother you could see ever on the screen, dear friends. Oh, wait a minute. I can't even talk about this. I, I've gone to heaven. <laughs> oh my God, this is so incredible. This is incredible. Tell me about this wine. Well, this I've is never a had, it, had this one with you before, Jean-Charles. You've been hiding this one. Yeah, but it won't happen again, I promise. No, I'd rather have you tell me what you feel. Just one word of what it makes you feel, because then I have a very personal question for you that maybe you've never told to people on the screen, so. This has put me into such a natural, mellow space that I feel that anything that is thrown at me right now that would normally agitate me and make me go, ah, has gone. This is just, this is just magically smooth. It's got such a wonderful melange of flavors. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know whether I like it better drinking it or smelling it. I, I'm enjoying both. In fact, I'm sure it's illegal to let my grandchildren smell it, but I'd want them to. No, <laughs> no, between no us. I won't go there. Trust me. It's go. totally legal. No worries about it. You've seen my daughters having a toast with you at the house, so. Well, I grew up that way too. Oh, this, this, the initial flavor is so great, but the aftertaste is just wonderful. It's beyond smooth. It's like velvet, and it's, um, I would say serenity. I would call this serenity. Ooh. And this you know what? You know what? If we do a wine together, I know what it should be called. Yes. My initials, J.S. Joy, the champagnes, the white wines, and serenity, the reds. I love it. Let's do it, J.S. And we're going to design. I'm wearing my heart for you as well, as you can okay. see. designed. Because you offered me one and I offered you your mine, so... Next time when we visit, we're going to work each other's hearts. Exactly. Absolutely. And uh, I think in the world we live in right now, finding our joy and finding our serenity, however we can, I toast to that. And I toast to that. So on that note, Jane, with abuse of your time, but maybe the last question. Not many people know that you've written many, many books. Besides oh, yeah. the one you just showed, I would like to cover one more, if it's okay for you. Okay. Very important because it's remarkable. You've collected in this book 20 stories, and it's all about the remarkable changes that you've personally lived. And Jay, tell us about this, because this is magnificent, and we should make sure that everybody can get it, because you were very kind to offer me a copy. And this is remarkable as the well, time. I'm not sure if it's still in print. It might be in, um, in paperback. So you might have to look online. Um, but Remarkable Changes is turning life's challenges into opportunities, which is really what we've been talking about. Yes. I wrote this a while ago. Um, and it also has not just my stories, but other extraordinary stories, other people. The new one that came out, The Road Ahead, is again yes. some of my stories and other people talking again the same idea of how they open their hearts and move forward. Um, in case anyone wants to have twins, I wrote one, two at a time. There was never a book about how you have twins, and everyone's having multiple babies now. 
And then, um, of course, there's all the open heart books. There's four of those. But if anyone wants to know anything, come to janeseymour.com and we'll find it. So if it's out of print, I probably have it and I can sign it and send it to you and just let people know. Jane, you're the best. You're amazing. So I would like to ask you, you've been so inspirational as always, so incredible. I mean, what a life and still going so strong and you still find creativity, audacity, creation of arts, of books, of, of so many things. Is there a message as we sadly leaving one another now and we got a toast to you that you want to share with everyone? Well, you know, I think a lot of people and certainly a lot of women feel that when they turn 40, that, you know, life starts going downhill. All I can say is 40 was the moment that I just rose to the occasion, became my own woman, and did everything that I ever wanted to do with this precious thing called life. Um, just before that happened, I almost lost my life playing Maria Callas. I had a near-death experience, and it told me when, after they'd resuscitated me, I, I realized that you take two things with you when you pass away, and that is the love you've shared and the difference you've made. So. What's right, Jane? Thank you so much. To you, to your family, to your incredible children and grandchildren, being a mother and achieving all that, and, and you're the role model for so many. Jane, we cannot wait. And obviously we'll be talking about our wines because we gotta do it. We, we have to, and I just want to yet again say that the Gallo family have been unbelievably supportive and generous in helping the plight of so many people. So here's cheers to you. And uh, well, I feel like your family anyway, so. Thank you so much. And we have a toast for Julie, who is on the boards, for Gina, and for Gina. all of Wasse Collection, and the Raymonds today, and of course, our friend John Legend, who was with us, our lovely JCB Vodka, that will be part of that as well. So raising money for you and obviously creating something together is gonna to be such an honor. So, santé. Santé.